doing what you can to have your name mentioned in a room full of opportunities. Hey everyone, and welcome to Sports Artie Snippets. I'm Liz Waluka, a registered dietitian and board certified specialist in sports dietetics. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you a sports dietitian guest that will share advice, insight, and rewards of the profession. Snippets of their own career path to becoming a sports RD. Hey everyone, welcome back to Sports RD Snippets. I'm super excited to have Jessica Isaacs today on the podcast. I'm super sad because it is the last interview of season two for Sports RD Snippets. But Jessica Isaacs is coming in strong with some inspo that will hopefully last you six weeks until the podcast is back. Jess has incredible advice for up-and-coming sports dietitians, and she takes us behind the scenes of her social media account, Jessica the Sports RD. Jessica Isaacs is a board-certified specialist in sports dietetics, a performance dietitian at UCLA, and also operates a virtual private practice as well. She completed an undergrad at Purdue University, where she also interned under Director of Sports Nutrition, Lauren Link. Jessica's professional career as a sports dietitian began at Kobe Bryant's Mamba Sports Academy, where she worked with hundreds of athletes from youth to pro, providing one-on-one performance nutrition counseling and group education opportunities. Jessica now works with the men and women's basketball teams at UCLA, operating as an integral part of the performance team. She also recently partnered with All Access Dietetics to launch the Real World Sports Nutrition Toolkit, where she shares advice that is packed with resources for aspiring sports dietitians. Jessica believes in cutting through the BS of nutrition misinformation and diet culture and uses social media as a creative way to share her performance nutrition messages, making educational content, graphics, and lots of TikToks and Reels. Let's jump in and let's meet Jessica. Hey, Jess, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Liz, excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. How's, how's your Tuesday going? You know, it's, a, it's an interesting Tuesday at home while my teams are on the road uh, at the NCAA tournament. So it's a, it's a different kind of Tuesday, but we like a little downtime. I know. Well, it's exciting because both your teams are still dancing. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes. We're doing awesome. Yes. This will come out after March Madness, so it'll be interesting to see what's going to happen. But um, yes, exciting. hopefully we have some something to celebrate at the at the end. Yes. Yeah, so, like to start these episodes off with how we know each other. I feel like I probably just met you through. I mean, everybody knows Jessica the Sports RD from Instagram. They're <laughs> like famous. Um, but we probably were just like talking through there about the podcast, and then obviously the UCLA. Oh, we probably started talking about the UCLA connection. Now I feel like I've known you for a long time now, which is really funny. I know, I know. We just kind of connected on on the gram and uh, I'm just a big fan of the podcast and I think we've just kind of just kept chatting through there. Amazing. All right, so let's jump in. Can you take us through your career path up until this point where you started and where you are today? Sure. So I am a second career dietitian. Um, right out of high school, I joined the military. Um, I was an aircraft mechanic, so super in line with, <laughs> with nutrition and dietetics. Um, and I found my way into this field, um, overcoming an eating disorder. So throughout high school, throughout my military career, um, just 
one eating disorder after the other kind of a deal. And through my journey of recovery and getting better, I really discovered this passion for nutrition, had no idea what a dietitian was. Um, I wasn't working with one, unfortunately, through my eating disorder recovery it was kind of like DIYing it, which is not <laughs> ideal, as we know. Um, but I started also just going to the gym for the first time in my life was never an athlete growing up, although I always wanted to be and really found, you know, the healing power of nutrition, but then also nutrition coupled with fitness, like what the potential was there was super interested in like, how can I make this a career? How can I help fit active people um, or then athletes uh, fuel to power their performance, power their bodies? Um, so that's when I started kind of like researching what a dietitian was and finding that there was actually a career in the space. So I came into dietetics, always knowing that I wanted to end up in sports, um, but it was kind of like a, a journey to get there. I uh, was also a mom at a young age. And so kind of going through school a class at a time for a long time um, until I was able to get to a brick and mortar school for the last two years of my degree at Purdue University. And so then when I got to Purdue, I really hit the ground running and got involved in all of the things. Um, being an older student and being someone that was a mom and had a lot of other things going on, like I had to make this the first priority of my life. Um, I knew that dietetic internships, for instance, were like really competitive. So I did all the things. I was um, teaching assistant. I was on committees. I was the president of the nutrition society, the, the, the campus nutrition program there. Just did all the things that I could. Um, but then also really connected with the director of sports nutrition there, um, Lauren Link, who's just amazing. Um, and so she was my mentor. I did a class. They had a rookie in sports nutrition class at Purdue, like a one credit class where you could volunteer at the fueling stations and work with the athletes. And so I did that, but I wanted to do more. So I was just kind of like bugging Lauren. Hey, Lauren, I have some time next semester. Would really love to intern with you and started spending like 10 to 20 hours a week interning in sports nutrition and undergrad. And that was a really great opportunity to learn more about the role, um, see what collegiate sports was all about, really get engaged in a, more than just, you know, making smoothies and setting out snacks, but like doing infographics and doing all kinds of content creation and presentations and sitting in on some of the athlete sessions. Um, and so it was really interesting, but I did at that time, I swore off collegiate sports and said, I would never, <laughs> I would never work in collegiate sports because the hours are crazy. The hours are crazy, right? Like it's just, it's so much work. Um, and at the time in my life, I was like, oh, I'm going to have another kid and it's just not going to, it's not going to be in my career, in my future. Um, but I definitely still wanted to work with athletes in some capacity. And um, after I graduated from Purdue, there weren't really a lot of opportunities where I was my, my ex-husband now, um, but him at the time, he was also graduating school. And so we were both kind of like looking for a place where we could move from. Um, we wanted to move out of Indiana and we ended up in Virginia and there really wasn't any kind of sports role there that either fit for me or that I was qualified for at the time. Um, so I did like outpatient diabetes counseling for a little bit. I also did, um, I worked in a hospital and a clinical setting for a little bit, which I thought was like a really great experience, but ultimately not what I wanted to do and not where I wanted to end up at. Um, so I ended up in California, like life journey, kind of crazy stuff. Ended up in California on a temp contract job at a skilled nursing facility. Um, and then it was like right before the contract was going to expire and I had to figure out like, what am I going to do next to make, <laughs> make a paycheck? Um, I got a text message from um, a dietitian friend that I had known from going to CPSDA conferences um, and just kind of staying connected with people. And he told me about this position at Mamba Sports Academy, which was um, the late Kobe Bryant's training academy in Thousand Oaks, California. So I got connected over there, started a job um, working there with 
youth to professional athletes doing mostly like one-on-one nutrition counseling. Mamba was much more like a business, um, which was just really interesting. Um, you know, as, as we know in dietetics, we're not taught a lot about business and like running a private practice going through school or through our internship. Um, so it was kind of, um, I, I would say it was not, uh, I, I wish I would have known, known a lot more about business and how a business functions before taking that role, because I think I would have done a lot better, a better there and would have, um, would have been a better fit if I kind of was more interested in that business role. But ultimately that experience that I had with collegiate sports, which I had sworn off, <laughs> um, was really where I'm like, man, I really loved what they were doing at Purdue. I loved like what they could, all the services and all the different professions and, you know, what the athletic trainers and strength and conditioning, like how everybody came together to help that athlete in any way that they needed it to be the best possible athlete that they could. And I wasn't finding that at Mamba. Um, COVID hit and I ended up losing that job. Um, a lot of people got laid off and I was one of those people. And so I had this bit of time where I'm like, like, what am I going to do? Uh, and then I got an Instagram message <laughs> from um, the dietitian, uh, Riley Beatty over at UCLA. She reached out to me and said that they had a position coming up. And I was like, this is perfect. This is perfect. I was like craving actually getting back into that collegiate world and being able to really help athletes in the way that I um, had envisioned from the beginning. Uh, and so it just ended up being like a really great fit. So now I'm over at UCLA working with the men's and women's basketball teams and absolutely loving it. Wow. You're such a fighter. I mean, just hearing like, <laughs> like all those different, like you said, versus are just steps or jumps and, you know, pivoting. What has kind of helped you kind of keep going? Oh gosh, my kid, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, the, there I have, I like to think that I have um, a lot of ambition to begin with, but um, just like knowing that I, you know, if we, if we go back to like when I was a, a single mom, like long time ago when she was like two years old, we were living in a trailer, like in a like rinky dink trailer in the middle of the desert. Um, I was barely getting by. I was like living off of like dollar store spaghetti noodles. And I just knew like, this wasn't the life that I was, I wanted to offer for my kid. Like this wasn't, this wasn't the future. And so I knew I needed to, um, just continue to fight to provide, um, a better life for her. Um, and so, so that's kind of been what's driven me this whole time is just really wanting a better future for my daughter and, you know, a better future for myself too, but <laughs> having someone to take care of, I think was really a driving factor. Yeah. When you were just talking about yourself at Purdue, like the second career dietitian and like the one that has the kid, I feel like everyone in their like undergrad has someone in their class. It's like a second career dietitian or older dietitian. I would have totally befriended you if you were in my dietetics class. Yeah. I was bringing my daughter to some classes sometimes. Like it was, yeah, it was a journey. Yeah. I think you make a good point too, about like that rookie class about being assigned, you know, fueling station hours, but like going up to Lauren or being like, Hey, Lauren, can I do more? I think a lot of students, they forget that like, you can do that. And by doing more, you get to see more than maybe what's assigned. And then that can open up a passion that you, you might not know is there. So don't be afraid to ask too. Absolutely. So can you talk about, I know with all access internships, you have a new, is it sports nutrition toolkit that you created with um, all access? Can you talk about the toolkit or how it could potentially help anyone listening use it? 
Yeah. So it's the real world, real world, which is like a tongue twister, real world sports nutrition toolkit. Um, so me and um, All Access Dietetics, Jenny Westerkamp, we partnered to put this together. We really saw a gap, and especially for like students that weren't able to find rotations in sports nutrition, especially right now with COVID and everything like that. I know we're turning away people all the time for interns positions. So we saw a gap in like people that wanted to learn more about how do I even get started in sports? How do I break into sports? How do I work with athletes? I think, you know, my undergrad, it was a lot of focus on kind of clinical nutrition, right? And so you might have a class here or there where you get to learn a little bit about active person nutrition or sports nutrition. Um, but I wanted to create something that talked about, you know, how I was able to get opportunities, the things that I learned along my journey that was helpful to get into the roles that I've been in. Um, but also, you know, how to work with athletes, like, you know, you know how to do like the clinical nutrition assessment, but there's different questions that you would ask an athlete when you're doing an athlete focused nutrition assessment. So I put all of that kind of content in there, basically all the questions that I had or was asking or resources I was looking for that I didn't feel like were available or that I couldn't find, I threw into this toolkit. Um, it also has like a lot of different handouts that are like client and education materials. So like performance plate guides and hand guides and how to read a food label, things like that. Um, and then also a cheat sheet that I developed when I was studying for the CSSD exam. I put together like all the different formulas that were the best practices or the ones that were the ones that um, from the position papers and things like that. Formulas for energy calculations and macronutrient calculations and hydration, um, supplements, vitamins, minerals, lab values. I put all of that into like a quick, like a seven page quick reference sheet. So it's just chock full of all this information that's super helpful for people that um, are either looking or maybe a, a aspiring sports dietitian to be, or maybe they're a newer dietitian that's looking to work with some athlete clients um, to basically get them up and, and up and running. So they have some of those like insider tips on, on how to land a position in sports, um, the characteristics and that people are looking for when they're hiring um, a sports dietitian and then also tools to get them started in their career. That is super helpful. I know I tend to forget, like, I mean, we all know like an undergrad, you're not, first of all, it's not like you're studying sports nutrition in undergrad. Granted, I never even took a sports nutrition class in undergrad because I found out about it later, but like all those skills you learn are like on the job, which is awesome. But like, sometimes it's kind of scary to think, you want to, you want to learn those tools and like have those skill sets and have that baseline of knowledge. Observing is awesome and learning those skills and reading position papers, but that toolkit sounds super helpful, especially for someone new that doesn't really know how to even start maybe would be a good yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a really great resource. You know, I get, I'm sure you get them all the time. Just get messages from people like, how do I get into sports? You know, how do I, and they just kind of like the more generic questions of like, where do I even start? And so this really does digs into all of that. That's awesome. So you work with women's and men's UCLA basketball teams, and those are your only teams, right? That's it. That's it. So that's super unique, especially at the collegiate level. Can you just talk about like your day to day or just anything unique about your position? Yeah. So I think, I think it's really, really cool. Like I, at first was, um, you know, I thought that I, there were a couple positions that were coming open at UCLA. One was working with like half of the Olympic sports teams, um, in more of a clinical role there. And then this position with the men's and women's basketball team, which like you said, it's like, I've seen football positions, football specific positions, but there's not a whole lot, if any, um, basketball specific only positions where you're not handling other teams, which just allows me when I have like 25 athletes, which allows me to just really get in and individualize things. Like I can do so much for 
these athletes that I wouldn't be able to do on a much bigger scale. I'm there there. I'm usually like the first person they see every day when they come into practice in the building, I'm usually like letting them in the door and greeting them in the morning. And then I'm usually one of the last people they see when they leave after practice or after training. Um, so, so I'm just, I get to be an integral part of the performance team, which if you're a sports dietitian um, for multiple teams, you still are, but it's, you just feel a little bit disconnected when you're sitting in your office or you're not really present all the time at practices and not able to be, have a lot of FaceTime with the athletes with a lot of the FaceTime, you know, I don't do as much nutrition counseling, like the sit down sessions, but I get the small touches all day, every day with them. Um, with, you know, a nice sizable budget and resources. And again, a small team, I'm also able to just do a lot of cool things at the fueling station, really individualized things, but also bring in a lot of just different variety of like fresh fruits and fresh vegetables and, and do different things there. I'm able to like individualize vitamins and supplement protocols and just do any kind of just interesting things really on the fly there. Um, I've got a couple of great like food service employees that work there and help me run the fueling station. And they're always doing like when there's some downtime they're always doing like test things, like coming up with new recipes and different um, things to offer to the athletes. So it's just a really, it's become a really close knit, tight knit um, role uh, that I think is just, is very different from a lot of the other roles where you're working with, you know, 300, 400, 500 athletes, you can only do so much and you really don't get to spend a lot of face time with each individual athlete. Whereas like my athletes just probably see way too much of me <laughs> all day, every day. Wow. That is amazing. I love how you're talking about like the small touches or just, you know, I think sometimes if you're a student, you think everything is like a sit down counseling session, which like, don't get me wrong. I do a ton of counseling, but that like stop and go nutrition. I feel like it doesn't have like this actual like term, but it's so important for like building trust and rapport with athletes. And you don't have to have like a sit down or a formal every single day. Like it could just be having a presence, like being the first one to greet them and the first one to say goodbye. Like it has nothing to quote unquote do with nutrition, but it yeah. does because your athletes probably respect you because you're there with them. Yeah. I've gotten huge buy-in, you know, if like an athlete, maybe they twist an ankle or something like that, or something happens at practice and then the training in the training room, I'm able to go down and sit down next to them and have a quick conversation about nutrition and maybe things that they can do for inflammation or, or things like that. Whereas, you know, it's just, it's a little bit more challenging to have that level of interaction when, when you don't have as close of a, if you're, when you're not in the building right there with them all day, every day. Do you have any tips for um, anyone that is maybe trying to get in with a basketball team? Because I know basketball is a little bit more unique, maybe more specific demands or just a little bit more history there. Anything that has really helped you that maybe even surprised you besides the presence? That's interesting. You know, so with my men's and my women's team, the culture is very different on both the teams and my role with the teams is very different. Whereas like with the women's team, I'm there doing team talks all the time. Like I'm, I'm involved in all their group chats, you know, and they're, they nutrition's a very big focus area of theirs. So um, the coaching takes it, the coaching staff takes it really um, seriously too, which is really helps me do my job when there's buying at the top, then it really helps pave the way for me. It's a little bit different on the men's side. Boys are boys. <laughs> They're a little bit, especially because I mean, guys it just seems like they can just eat whatever they want and just perform amazingly. So unless something goes wrong, they're a little bit less receptive to listen. And I think maybe that's one thing is just understanding that like truly like athletes have to know you care. And this has been said before many times on your podcast, like athletes have to know you care first before any of the information you have to share is going to actually like go in one ear and sink in with them, you know? Um, so, you know, maybe it's just like, if you uh, showing up and understanding 
what a basketball athlete is going through, you know, what their, what their lifestyle is like. Um, but I, I think it's really important just to know, you know, what, how does nutrition rank, you know, for the men's side, I'll be honest, like not a lot of them care about nutrition right now in their lives. Um, the women's side is a little bit different. So, you know, maybe getting into, you know, with like the men's side, one thing that's been helpful for me and getting buy-in is like feeding them foods they like like bringing in, bringing in some fried chicken and mashed potatoes and gravy and cornbread sometimes like they love it. They love it. And when I, when I feed them the things that they're asking for and I go to them and I'll say like, Hey, what should I order for lunch tomorrow? Cause I'm doing a lot of catered meals. When I, when I get them the things that they want, they're a lot more receptive to then listen to me. If I want them to do something that's a little bit unusual, or if I'm trying to get them to try a vegetable or something like that. Um, so, so maybe it's meeting them, meeting them with food first. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. Like meeting them in the middle to get to your message eventually. Right. That's cool. All right. Let's, let's shift gears and talk about your social media. Oh gosh. Let's go. <laughs> I just want to know everything. Okay. What do I want to know? Or what does everyone want to know? Can you just like take us a little bit behind the scenes? Obviously you don't have to share whatever you don't want to, but like behind the scenes of like, okay, for example, the one you just did with the guitar with the commercial like that was amazing and I'm just like sitting there laughing like if I ever did that I would look so ridiculous like how do you do the how do you come up with them is it is it do you schedule them what's what's the process like it's chaotic right so you know we talked earlier I have a I have a teenage daughter so I got on TikTok originally just like supervising just seeing what it was all about <laughs> Yeah. And I thought at first, I thought it like, oh, TikTok is just like an app for 12 year olds to shake their butts and still is, <laughs> but um, not until like, I actually like signed up for my own account and started seeing how like, there's a for you page that starts to identify your interests that like TikTok is actually really interesting. And people have been putting a lot of just interesting content on there um, through COVID. And so, you know, I really started off just kind of like, really seeing an opportunity. Like for me on my Instagram, I had a lot of like dietitians and strength coaches and other kind of people following me, but I really wasn't hitting like that target athlete audience. And so what I saw is like, oh, they're on TikTok. So if I want to talk to them, I can talk to them here. Like this is where they're getting their messages. There's already other people showing what I ate, eat in a day and it's terrible. And there's already people showing like how I lost weight and all this terrible nutrition advice. Like why not actual like credible advice show up there? Um, but first it was chaos, like actually trying to figure out how to record anything or make anything interesting. Like it was not working. It was hours and hours on end. Um, and so I still haven't really developed like a system, but what I will do is like, if there's a question that I'm getting asked a lot, or if there's a topic I'm researching or a topic, maybe I'm presenting on, or just something that's coming up, I'll write those down in like a notepad and just start to kind of start when I'm scrolling through TikTok, because that's the other part of it is a lot of time, like scrolling through watching the trends and getting a feel for like what other people are doing is starting to kind of like match those so like, okay, this is a topic I want to talk about. How do I put that into this? like trending song or video style or whatever it is. Um, so that's a lot of it is just like ongoing notes and then just waiting for that creative spark to hit, which is like very intermittent. <laughs> like there's days where it's just not happening and I'll spend a couple hours on a 15 second clip and just be like, you know what? It's just not gonna, this is gonna forever live in my drafts and I'm never gonna do anything with it. That video you're talking about, that one, my, my boyfriend actually sent it to me and he was like, hey, do this audio. And I was about to leave for a camping trip in like 20 minutes. And so I like just like, grab I was like do you have a guitar he said no 
he's like, use a shovel. So I used a child's sand shovel to oh pretend to use a guitar. And it was, <laughs> some of them just forgot. Some of them are like quick and easy like that, but other ones are like a whole process where it's like, either visually like thinking about how mapping it out in my brain or like sketching it out and writing it down like how would this work where am I cutting things um it's trial and error for sure (laughs) what's your motivation to keep going because I'm sure it's it's probably really hard to like keep up and I mean obviously as a dietitian I mean everyone listening is a student or a dietitian where we're all surrounded by like we all see the same messages kind of so what is it like to try to like be like on top kind of well, I think, you know, the, what keeps me going is that just people are interested, you know, people, people are engaged people, it seems to be working, you know, I'm seeing, you know, my, my reach grow, I'm seeing the people that my target audience actually be, be who I'm getting with my videos, I'm getting messages from people um, that, that are saying that I've helped them in some way, or, you know, just, just things like that, where it's like, okay, this is working, people are enjoying it. Uh, also, you know, like, I think when I first got into this career, you know, I thought, okay, I have to be this perfect polished dietitian, you know, poster child for like professionalism. And it's very different from my, my personality. <laughs> and so I found like the closer that I've meshed my silliness with my dietitian self, um, that it, it's, it, that people are interested, like people, people are interested in your quirks and your silliness and your personality, if you're giving them good information along with it. So um, for me, it's just been, it's been a nice, like creative, a way to get like the creative part of me, like the part that just needs to be scratched now and then um, and engage that along with, you know, educational information. That's amazing. What about, how do you deal with the trolls? What do you do with the trolls? Because I can only imagine from like, I feel like people are probably nicer on Instagram, but TikTok, like people probably just go off. How do you not get caught up in that? Yeah. TikTok, they are savages. <laughs> they are savages. I have the keto police. <laughs> I have the soy is terrible for you police. I've got all of them. They are crawling out the woodworks and they've got a lot to say. Um, it really depends. Like there are certain videos that, um, like there's one, for instance, that um, the one where I'm eating butter, I don't know if you know that one, like ate a stick of butter, which was horrible. Um, oh, yes, I did see this one. Yeah, yeah. But so um, like that one on TikTok, I've got lots of views and lots of comments to like the point where I'm no longer policing things. If it's a little bit more like there's not a whole lot going on in the comment section, then like someone that's just nasty, like I'm just deleting those messages or someone that just like clearly just wants to come and argue you, but doesn't really want to like listen or engage or anything, or just like detracting from the overall message. Like I'll just delete those or ignore those. You know, one thing I've told myself is like, you don't have to respond to everybody. Um, you don't have to reply. You don't have to, I don't have to go and like prove how much I know to people that aren't really interested in the message. So a lot of times I just ignore those. Like, thankfully the hate hasn't been <laughs> so intense. Um, <laughs> Every now and then I definitely trigger some people, but, uh, it's for the most part, I just like, let it roll, um, and let people work it out amongst themselves. And I just kind of like sit back and it, try to ignore it. Cause it, you know, it does sometimes when it's, especially when it's something you put a lot of work into, or you put a lot of thought into oh, yeah. and people say something super critical, it's hard to like, those things go sometimes, but I have to look at, like, I have a lot of positive feedback and I have a few like negative comments. Like I can't allow the negative comments to, to overshine, um, the positive feedback, like the positive feedback, that's where I need to lean into, like ignore the hate. That's, there's always going to be hate. You're never going to make everyone happy. And everybody's always going to have something negative to say, like not going to spend my energy there. 
Yeah. Anything you think people should know about they don't know about or anything you want to tell us, just close out the social media section of Jessica, the sports RD. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, it's gosh. Uh, you know, I think it's funny because I think after I've got a lot of like traction, um, new, aspiring sports dietitians that are already used to be will like reach out to me and think that um, like, I don't know, think that I'm at some higher level than I am. And I, and so I, I have to tell, I'm like, I'm a normal person. I'm just like a regular average person that's just making silly videos and you can absolutely do it too. <laughs> like it's, I, I really would love to see like more dietitians and more aspiring dietitians, people that have a message to share showing up on social media. Like everybody can do it. And people that are, are your are your followers already. Um, there's other followers that are out there that are interested in what you have to say. And I think it's important for us to show up and be present in the places that people are looking for information. I mean, providing credible information. So I just, I encourage everybody to just, you know, try it out. Yeah, <laughs> try it out. So inspiring. <laughs> Best advice in your career up until this point? Yeah, that's a good one. I was trying to think of like what I was going to say here. Um, I would have to say, you know, early on when I was in uh, undergrad, I think it was probably Lauren that told me um, that that sports dietetics is a very small community. And when opportunities become available, like generally it's a text message, it's a phone call to other established sports dietitians of like, who do you have? Who's intern with you? What do you know about this person? Are they any good? And so understanding that, that it is just a phone call away um, and, un and understanding that in order to really progress. And, and I'm not, I mean, you can certainly find other paths into getting into sports nutrition, but to really like, I mean, what's really helped me and what's helped a lot of people that I've talked to is just being well-connected, um, doing what you can to have your name mentioned in a room full of opportunities. So whether that's being, um, active on social media, active in the CPSDA conferences, showing up on those active in the forum, posting on LinkedIn, um, just connecting with other established sports dietitians and, and showing them somehow like, what do you have that makes you special or, or what skills do you have that makes you a good fit for this role? And just continuing to be present and showing up. And so letting people see that what your, your value is um, so that when opportunities do become available, you're a phone call away or you're a text away or your name that's mentioned. Yeah, that's amazing. And it, and I think like for students, like coming in, you know, even if it's like the smallest task and we might've talked about this before, like doing it really well, because, you know, yeah. just because no one's looking doesn't mean they don't hear about it or they don't, they don't know about it. So like that stuff matters because if, if you're not doing the little things well, then big picture, someone's going to know. Yeah. Um, and so just take pride in those little things and people, people are watching and those little things become the big things. Yeah. Yeah. During undergrad, I like my, some of my classmates would tease me because I would kind of go like super extra on everything, but I saw it as like everything that I put my name on is a resume. Um, anything that my name goes on is a piece of work coming from me. Like, I want that to be like whoever sees this to, to see that it's solid work, like every piece of work that I do, I want to be good work. Now I'm motivated. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Ready for the rapid fire round? Let's go. What is the most underrated cheese to put on your sandwich? Oh, underrated. Uh, provolone. Okay. 
What about Swiss? Are you a Swiss? I love Swiss. I was going to go Swiss, but I felt like Swiss isn't underrated. Is Swiss underrated? I think everyone, I feel like people just talk about like American cheese on a sandwich or like, no, no, I'm, I'm a white cheese person. Oh yeah. I, I just feel like Swiss cheese is so like basically really good, but I don't think people say like, I love Swiss cheese, but like, I'm not gonna lie. It's like kind of my go-to recently. I mess with Swiss hard. <laughs> All right. If you're, if you're at work and someone yells free bagels, free donuts or free cookies, which one do you choose? donuts not even a question oh all the way all the way all right if you could play any sport at the collegiate level what would you play and it can't be a sport that you played growing up oh dang it well what about if I played it in my 30s does that count (laughs) yeah you can't do that either dang it um Gosh, you know what? I'm going to go with water polo because I did not know a lot about water polo until recently and still don't know a lot about water polo, but like, I can't tread water and that seems really, really, really hard. Um, and so I'd, I'd go water polo. Yeah. That is a hard sport to do. Really hard sport. Yeah. What's your favorite TikTok that you ever made? Oh, that's a good one. I would have to say um, it would be my supplement one that I did. Like it was an early one that I had done and I did like five outfit changes and it took so long, but I feel like it's an underrated TikTok. Um, (laughs) I'll have to find it and reshare it. It's like one where like I changed between like a GNC dude and um, Herbalife Karen. Yeah, (laughs) it took so long. Um, but it was too, it was too early. I feel like where, uh, I was trying to do too much too early. I should have waited to launch it now. What about, um, biggest mistake people make on social media or like creators could make? Oh gosh. Um, Hmm. I see a lot of times when people like put text where it's like, you can't see it at all. Like it's like, it's like blocked by an icon or caption or something like that that yeah or it's like off screen and if you're gonna put text on there you got to keep it legit you got to keep it legit (laughs) you got to be able to see it you gotta be able to like understand what's being said yeah got it all right last question are you ready yes if you could tell your younger arty self one thing what would you say okay you ready for this i'm ready be a goldfish have you do you know where this is from have you heard this at all no i'm gonna guess finding nemo but that's no no no. um have you seen the show ted lasso no but something's if you haven't it's incredible it's jason sudeikis he plays like he's like this guy from texas that goes over to the uk to like coach a, a soccer team and he's like a football coach um but it's an incredible show it's on like apple tv and at one point um he's on the field with a player who like makes a mistake in a play and the player's just like on the field just beating himself up and so um ted or jason motions the guy over and he says hey do you know what the happiest animal in the world is? And the guy says, no. And he says, a goldfish. It has a 10 second memory, be a goldfish. And so I like look at that as just don't sweat the small things. Like you're going to make mistakes. Things are going to happen. But like, if you dwell on those, because I do, I'm so critical, like hypercritical of myself. Um, and I do tend to like dwell on just little mistakes where it just becomes this like big thing. And so I wish I would have had this advice early on in my career to be able to tell myself, like, don't sweat the small things, just keep doing the work you're doing. Um, it's, it's not a big deal in the big scheme of things. Um, and that's not where your energy should be focused. That's amazing. Now I'm just picturing myself as a goldfish, like just so happy, like swimming in the sea. Short-term memory, a goldfish. <laughs>
Well, Jess, thanks so much for your time today. It was so fun having you on and um, thanks for sharing all your advice. It was super inspiring. Absolutely. So great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on Sports Artie Snippets. I hope you found our conversation helpful today. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Share the podcast or tell another sports RD to be or sports dietitian about it. If you can rate and review the podcast, it really helps the show and is much appreciated. Remember to follow along on Instagram at Sports RD Snippets to see what Sports RD guest is featured each week. I'm super excited to bring on my upcoming guests, so stay tuned. I'm Liz Waluka, and thanks so much for listening.